Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. prom party hello welcome back thanks for having a great time with us last week with troop beverly hills and welcome to a much messier episode oh boy is it ever (laughs) this is gonna be fun because do you ever just watch a movie and go yeah it's bad (laughs) never really have to say more you know it when you see it but we have a podcast where we have to talk about why (laughs) And before we dive into all that stuff, we're just happy that you're here. And if you want to support the show and hang out with us a little bit more, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. We do Sadie Hawkins dance minisodes where Harmony shows me teen boy movies, sleepover commentary tracks, playlists, schedule in advance, all sorts of fun stuff. And we've got such an awesome group of people over there. I think we're up to 40 last I checked. Mm. We have like an entire study hall. Oh, we do, don't we? Big fan of that. <laughs> I think that it's great. <laughs> but this week's movie is, um, oh, it is something, something special. So, Harmony, what movie are you watching this week? We are watching 2006's It's a Boy Girl Thing. Not like... It's a boy slash girl thing implying either or. It is boy girl as in a singular entity. Which I have a lot of mixed feelings about that particular phrasing. It makes me feel a little bit like when you combine like lady boy. Like I've, I've spent a good amount of my adult life being referred to as a lady boy. In not so pleasant terms. But yes, this is not uh it's a ladyboy thing. I would be much more excited to talk about that film. Instead, we get it's a boy girl thing. Yes. And this movie is pretty peak 2006, if I do say so myself. But it does fall into one of our favorite subcategories, and it is a body swap movie. Oh god, my head. <sighs> Must be dreaming. Time to wake up. What was that? <gasps> Tits? Oh my god, I have tits! Two tits! I guess it's a regular number of tits, but for a guy, what's going on here? This would be technically our third. Mm-hmm. Fourth, if you count, it takes two. Yeah, that's very true. This is three, technically four, depending on your definition of, of body swap. And this is a rare instance where the body swapping is happening across the gender spectrum. And I know that 
I'm saying this considering one of the films that we did cover is Freaky, which does the same thing. Uh-huh. But we are we are diving deep into this one. Uh, for a lot of you, you may not have heard of this. It's because it wasn't released in America other than, hey, here's a DVD that you can buy. And in my instance, watch at a cast party, which is the worst possible way to watch any film because you're just competing with horny teenagers trying to fuck each other after a show covered in stale stage makeup and at least three girls way too excited to sing Rent. Oh. Yeah, yeah it's no, kind of your nightmare. Awful. Yeah, that's your nightmare. I'm sorry. These kids that would walk around with their I'm a thespian shirts the day of a show because they needed to be extra theatery, I guess. I had a sweater that's for our like thespian society troupe because I was president as to be expected. But it said, like, Thespian Troop 1987, if you can't pronounce it, you don't deserve to know what it means. That is so pretentious. Actually, no, I don't think it was pronounced. I think it was if you can't say it right is what it was because everybody used to always make the joke because it sounds like lesbian. Thespian. Because <laughs> teenagers are super fucking witty. They are. Have you never seen, like, Hot Dog Day where it's like, I'm not eating hot dog, that's gay. <laughs> You're eating a hot dog, it's gay. What are what is hot dog day? Oh, did your school not have like really themed days where it's like today's the day you get a hot dog, today's the day you get pizza, today's the day you get tacos? No, we just always had those as options every day, but they no. were like you, you could roll them into a ball and they would bounce. Uh, like gross food. Ew. No, uh, most of my elementary and like middle school experiences were like themed days. Oh. It wasn't until I got to junior high that we started to have like options. Oh. Well, look at that. Yeah. Fancy. No, it was the opposite <laughs> of fancy, actually. <laughs> quite, quite fitting for the movie like this. Speaking of, uh, Harmony, what was your knowledge of this film before we watched it for the show? There's an interesting set of circumstances with how I saw this movie the first time, which was that you last week were just hanging out, having like a little online group chat with some friends mm-hmm. over like Zoom or whatever. And I have... A long list of trans and trans-ish films that I'm going through for a project that is completely unrelated to this that is coming out in a few months. But I was just looking at my list and went, oh, it's a boy-girl thing. I think I think I heard BJ talk about that one at one point, which means it's either going to be good or bad. It's, there's, it's not going to be in the middle. It's either like, oh, my God, it's going to be like the movie Girl and it's atrocious. Or maybe it's like a hidden classic or something. And... Uh, yeah, I ended up falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. Like I two-thirds could, through. <laughs> I could hear that you were watching something out here, but obviously I was in the other room, so I couldn't see you. And then I just come out here, and you're passed out, and I see that on there, and you're like, oh, I, was, I was watching it's a boy-girl thing for, for my project. And I looked at you, and I'm like, we were going to watch this for the podcast. Oh. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I now have watched it sort of two and a half times in the last week and i don't recommend anyone do that (laughs) yeah i i was trying not to be super shitty about it on twitter when i post like the hey here's where you can find it but i only posted the places that are streaming it for free and not any of the rental options because i don't want anyone to pay to watch this movie (laughs) but okay so so the way we keep talking about this everyone's gonna think like wow this movie must be really bad and it's bad, but it's mostly just really mediocre. This movie is maddening more than anything because it's, I can't wrap my head around the decisions that were made. Yeah, it's really um, 
Oh, how 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 do it looks it looks fine, but it's really empty. Like okay, so um, do you know in like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when they bring out the turkey and it's like oh look at it it's <laughs> it's glistening and it looks beautiful and scrumptious and then they go to cut into it and it just goes. And it's just dried out and nothingness in the middle. Yeah. That's kind of how this movie functions. <laughs> you broke me a little bit there. You're welcome. Because I was just like picturing somebody getting a DVD of this at Blockbuster and being so pumped and then actually watching it and then just having that feeling of empty turkey disappointment. Yeah, but I can't even really judge people because, like, one of my definitive favorite comedies from, like, the early to mid-2000s is Sorority Boys, and that was a big deal for me. But also, it, most people consider it a trash film, which I would argue it is not. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe there's people out there who had the same sort of thing where it's like, no, but I saw this and it meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry that this was the movie that it, that, that happened to be because it could have been anything better. That's very true. So before we uh, tackle this beast, let's set the stage. Let's let's travel back to the beautiful, magical world of 2006. Harmony, what was cool in 2006? Not me. <laughs> um, I was pretty cool. This is like right after I stopped being scene kid famous. On MySpace? On MySpace. You were so cool. Yeah, it was mm. really cool. Oh, well. Uh, I was never MySpace cool. I was never seeing kid cool. I've just been consistently uncool my entire life, and that's fine. Let's look at some of the either cool or uncool movies that were released <laughs> on Boxing Day over there in uh, England, because we're not going to focus on, like, American trends, because this movie wasn't released for us. Cool. So here's some of the uh, the wide range of Christmas season films that you got to treat yourself to at the time of release. We have... Uh, Charlotte's Web. Okay. Smoking Aces. Okay. The Pursuit of Happiness. Ooh, that's a that's a bad time. Like it's a great movie, but that's a bad time. <laughs> Rocky Balboa. All right. Dream Girls. Hell yes. And Black Snake Moan. That is a Christmas. Oh, sorry, I like my brain just like I was trying to come up with something funny, and then it dawned on me that that movie was released around Christmas, and that's I can't. I'm just picturing like what family went to the movie theater the day after Christmas, like tradition, we're going to Well, that go. one was a New Year's Eve release. Oh, a New Year's Eve. Okay, thank God. Yeah. Because <laughs> Which like... doesn't really make it much better, but... <laughs> but I was just thinking about some poor family being like, we're going to go see Charlotte's Web. That's not available. We're going to watch Black Snake, Mo Black Snake Moan. And then everyone leaves traumatized. Yeah, everything else would have been playing in theaters at that time. Black Snake Moan was a little bit later. Okay, good. So we did have a, a couple teen alternatives. And then one movie that I just kind of wanted to just set aside... For a sec. So we do have Aragon, like the dragon oh, movie. Yeah. And uh, Black Christmas 2006. Which we will absolutely be covering at some point. You're welcome. Spoilers. Oh, I, I guess we're just going to do a, a Black Christmas movie every year until we run out. Yeah, which means we have this year and next year. <laughs> and then we run out. Unless they make another one. Let's do them in descending order, because I don't want to end on this one. <laughs> okay, that's fine. All right, spoiler I, not alert. Not that I want to Black do Christmas this one. Black Christmas for Christmas. Black Xmas for Christmas. Oh, God. And uh, the movie I wanted to set aside is um, Mel Gibson's Apocalypto. Oh. And I just want to say, whoever is in charge of the programming 
of BBC America? What's wrong with you? Why do you like Mel Gibson so much that we would put it on at the bar I used to work at and be like, oh, Star Trek's on, Doctor Who's on, like, whoa, this is cool. And then like nine o'clock at night rolls around and it's either The Patriot or Apocalypto every single time. (laughs) Why? Who hurt you? Is this like BBC America's version of ridiculousness playing every hour on MTV? You see, maybe, but I feel like what happens is usually like a network will get a movie Mm -hmm. and then it's just like, oh, we have the licensing to run it for like a month. Oh yeah, they'll play it into the ground. Yeah, but it would happen every month (laughs) and I don't know why. That's terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah, so... (laughs) Leaning over to now our music charts, because the the race to the Christmas number one single is a big deal over there in the UK, and Mm -hmm. I have to say, I had to look up what the number one single was the week this came out, because I've never heard of a Patience by Take That, and I was playing it, and you come in and go... What it, what is this light lifehouse the fray I'm like no but it's one of those kind of bands I guess people were really into some like easy listening but a little bit more it's like rock. adult contemporary alt rock yeah like some Matchbox Twenty at, style stuff you're better at dictating music genres than I am oh niche uncool genres Pff, that's my thing <laughs> but if you go down one slot the number two song the week of Christmas was Smack That by Akon featuring Eminem. (laughs) I really hope that there was some badass kid that was like, do you know what we're putting on for our Christmas playlist? And then didn't tell anyone and then just played Smack That. So it's like that one vine where where Nicki Nicki Minaj Minaj. (laughs) my ass. No! (laughs) Oh, what a great vine. Yes. So there's there's a lot of stuff that I'm sure is very Britishy and I don't recognize it, like whatever the Rose by Westlife is, or oh, I know what that Rock is. Steady by All Saints. I don't know what that one is. Me either. There's there's plenty of stuff I don't recognize, but some of the things that I do recognize, really really solid. Hurt by Christina Aguilera from her Back to Basics album, which I loved. Perfect. Irreplaceable by Beyonce. Not as much of a fan, but you know, big deal. Perfect. Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Absolutely perfect. Uh, Amy Winehouse's Rehab. Perfect. And just like kind of scrolling down and looking over some of the other things that are filling out the top 40, I have to say that I am very delighted to see at number 34, Breaking Free from the cast of High School Musical. Fuck yes. <laughs> you chart High School Musical. It was on its way down at this point, unfortunately. But You don't need to bring the mood down with that extra information. Would it make you feel better if I said that our teen tabloid rag features a lot of High School Musical this time? Oh, I'm thrilled about this. Which, okay. Okay, so are we going like Seventeen Magazine, J14? What are you bringing me? Tiger Beat Magazine. Hell yeah. Because this is the one I happen to find. Because I'm never looking for one in particular, usually. Do you I just, just Google, like, Teen Google Magazine Teen Magazine, year? the year and the month, and then Beautiful. I see what I can get. <laughs> so, if you would like to be in London during the premiere of It's a Boy-Girl Thing, you can win an unrelated contest through Tiger Beat to go to London with Zac Efron. I'm always really curious about these contests. Like, is Zac Efron in first class and you're in the back just kind of like able to look at him through the curtain you're in like the little luggage with the animals <laughs> yeah, that are in crates. what are they where do they put you do you get to actually hang out with zach efron or is it like they fly you out to the uk and then he gives you a high five surrounded by security and ta-da you went to england with zach efron that's probably right yeah i feel like you show up for a meet and greet or something like that that he's contractually obligated to do yeah probably 
but some of our other high school musical awesomeness. We have a, a contest where you can win Vanessa Hudgenson's journal. That she probably wrote in, like, before they announced this contest and then... Oh, yeah, got to make sure it's nice and sanitary and they're not uh-huh. mentioning, like, oh, well, I have a huge crush on John Bartuccio. And everyone's like, who's John Bartuccio? <laughs> Just like, I have to find this man now. He's coming for her. I'm jealous. <laughs> you can also read about Ashley Tisdale, super shy to superstar. How did she do it? See, that's an article that I'd actually be interested in reading because what I think is funny is that people think that you need to have this like really big like type A personality in order to be a superstar. And then you look at somebody like Adam Driver who's like, I literally can't watch myself act because it gives me so much anxiety. Don't look at me. And he's a massive star. So those two things don't correlate. Possibly. Or as a Disney child, you might be groomed for this success. Also true. So. Speaking of Disney children. OMG, what's on Miley Cyrus's tour bus? That headline can mean a lot of different things depending on what year that it's, it's magazine's very menacing. out. It's very, it's very scandalous sounding, but <laughs> this is still the Hannah Montana era. OMG, what's on Miley's tour bus? We found a severed foot. Like, that would be the headline I want to read. I think it's probably just like her bed that looks like one of those squishy glittery jelly things that everyone says is a fleshlight. It's like a water bed that kind of looks like that. Oh, like the water tubies? Yeah. I bet yeah. her bed looks like that, and she's got, like, pink shag rug because she's still got a, a certain teen girl, girl power aesthetic to keep up with if you're going to be photographing her tour bus. Or there's, like, a very cute dog, and, like, you just flip to page 27, and it's, like, just the cutest fucking dog, and it's like, look it, she brings her pets on tour. She's just like us. <laughs> Possibly. We're going to have to either buy this magazine or we're going to have to take it and then go over to the cosmetic section while our mom is looking for something to get from the snack aisle and read the article and then put the magazine back because we're not paying for that. This is not a library, kid. Shh. Or it could be one of those magazines that comes in the plastic so you can't do that. That's the worst. Yeah. Or they have the little inserts where they'll like have something actually was like free CD demo something something in there. So it's like, oh, you got to put it in the plastic. Someone's just going to like steal all the CDs. I used to always steal all of the perfume samples out of like Vogue and in style And then I would wear them to school and act like I was fancy when really I was just rubbing scented paper on my skin. Lovely. That's just something I needed you to know about me. Thank you. Well, speaking of secrets, our final cover story, only for you, secret sprouse facts inside. They would have been like very young when this happened. They've got some very cherub-like faces with their doofy haircuts in this cover. See, and what's funny is they actually play a lot younger than they are. They were probably 15 or 14 when that is, but they look probably about nine. So. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So there you go. Are you feeling firmly supplanted in, I'm, in 2006? I'm firmly planted in 2006. Firmly grasp. <laughs> can you firmly grasp the concept of where we are? Yeah, I'm feeling it, Mr. Krabs. We can go. Okay. All right. So, oh, God, this fucking movie. So it's a boy-girl thing. The uh, synopsis from our friends over at Fandango, I, I got to say, I'm real curious to hear how you feel about it. Lifelong enemies, a male and a female, awake one morning to discover they have switched bodies and each decides to ruin the high school reputation of the other. Was was that written by like a robot alien? <laughs> Trying to imitate a, a humans? A human female and a human male who are considered to be enemies of each other. 
Yeah, that was my first thought. Any Well, first off, I get immediate red flags anytime somebody uses the word females for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But a male and a female, the title is called It's a Boy-Girl Thing. I think we know what's happening here, no, synopsis. You can't, you can't judge a book by its cover. I guess not, or its synopsis. Or you might think Miley Cyrus has weird drugs on her <laughs> Yeah, so... This movie follows a lot of, you know, pretty standard conventions as far as two people who don't get along, switch bodies, have to walk a mile in each other's shoes. Burp, 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 burp. Like, we know the drill. We know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's everybody's swap, basically. Yes, it's, it's everybody's swap If they're movie. too similar, then what's the point? <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, as with the other body swap movies, it's kind of impossible to talk about one character and not the other. So our two leading characters here, we have Samir Armstrong as... Nell and Kevin Zegers as Woody. Harmony, how do you feel about Nell and Woody pre-swap? I think they suck. <laughs> okay, tell me why they suck. I agree with you, but I want to know if we have the same reasons. <sighs> okay, so um Nell has a very beige, sterile, like high school goody goody, but no one no one likes her mm-hmm. kind of life, and she's very uppity and unpleasant, and she's also maybe like an insufferable theater kid because all she does is read Shakespeare and listen to Elton John. And you didn't. He produced this. Oh, the yeah. nepotism of being like my favorite song is "Candle in the Wind." Like "Candle in the Wind" is not even the best song on "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." <laughs> The harmonies are nice on it, though. Uh, so she's kind of insufferable mm-hmm. for the um, the for like the teacher's pet kind of vibe. Yeah, that's definitely what she's going for. And I think the way that we would look at it now, she's very like conservative chic is the only way I can describe it. That girl who wears collared shirts with sweaters and pearls, like that very. I like casual pearls. Just I know not you on like her. casual pearls, but in, in this instance, like that is it's very much a statement. Oh, and yeah. it's also it's very much... It's a status much, thing. Yeah, it's a status thing. It is a sign of they're not, class. They're not actually casual pearls. No, those are like real pearls, and she's wearing them to make sure that you know she she's has She's wearing pearls. business pearls. Yes. These these are not DIY pearls. These are not these are not punk rock pearls. These pearls don't belong to like the people on the ground level. <laughs> Everything that she wears, it, it also feels very matronly in, in oh, a yeah, sense. Oh, yeah, she has a very controlling mother- who I think has a had a very specific idea for what her child was going to be like and mm-hmm. is probably living vicariously through her so that she can achieve her Yale fantasies or oh, whatever. Oh, totally. That's absolutely what's happening. Like she's this very is... she's she's awful to both her and her husband, but she's not blatantly awful. Yeah. She's more like cold. She's very much uppity white lady awful in the sense that they're not going to be outwardly mean to you, but they will be like, "Oh, well, that's a decision that you've made now, isn't it? It's like that kind of shitty mom. Yeah. On the opposite end of that, you have Woody living next door, and he's he's a jock. He's he's a himbo. He's extremely simple to get a grasp of. But for anybody who wants to know the uh, specifics of this character, the movie opens up with him uh, dancing around in his underwear, listening to Mystical's Shake Your Ass. Mm-hmm. And he 100% says the N-word. Yep, we rewound it because we were listening to it and we're like, oh yeah, you know, what a banger. Haven't heard this song in a while. And all of a sudden we hear that line and it wasn't edited and I didn't hear a pause and we're like, did 
he's, he's oh, no, you can do clearly it, hear him he say said. it. Yep, we rewound it, and sure as shit, there it is. And Well, speaking of whoop. mothers, it's quite appropriate that he's saying the N-word, and his mom is Sharon Osbourne. Oh! Yeah. She's here, and they put her in this horrendous Karen wig. They Be- need to make her look more normal than her wild red hair would make her look. Yes, and... Woody is clearly coming from the more working class family. There's like this running thing where they talk about his dad's business is that he sp- he sells spatulas. I believe he owns Spatula World. Yeah, like he's... Selling spatulas <laughs> makes you feel like, oh, Hank Hill sells sells grills and propane. No, like he owns Spatula World. Yeah, that's to me just is like this is Big Bob's beepers from Hey Arnold. Like that's what's happening here. Yeah, but that's like you're you're catering towards like the white collar with beepers. Like, I don't know what the business model for a spatula-based store is going to be, because I feel like you buy a single spatula every six years, and you're good. Yeah. So Not I don't know if you get a lot of return customers at Spatula World. Yeah. <laughs> Unsure. But yeah, they definitely try to paint it also, not just a gender thing as well as, you know, a, a click thing with the school, but also a class sort of thing, because mm-hmm. he's this... You know, he lives next door. He lives in the same neighborhood, but, you know. It's the same size house. I think they just choose to allocate their funds differently. Yeah, I I would agree with that. But I agree with you that I think that they are both kind of shitty people. Mm -hmm. Um, Woody is unnecessarily mean because he's like this big man on campus type. Yeah, he's the popular kid when you can't be a popular kid and be nice in a teen movie. Right. So, I mean, he's just needlessly mean because we have... Nell walking to school and it's like, hey, do you know it'd be funny? Let's drive in this puddle and like cover her head to toe wet and ruin her whole day. Why? Because we can. Just being shitty. Because she lives next door and she said my music was loud and she sucks. Yeah. It's just so childish. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, well, a lot of times teenagers make very childish decisions. Mm -hmm. And that is one of them. Um, but then in retaliation, when Nell gets to school, she just shits all over Woody's girlfriend and she's presented as like this very, uh uh-huh, kind of Uh girl, but she doesn't really do anything that egregious. She just sort of exists. Yeah. She's just like the popular blonde girl, probably owns Uggs. Yeah. You know, whatever. Like, she says the occasional catty remark, but nothing, like, super biting and terrible. There's not really... Her biggest crime in this movie is that um, she is a quote-unquote slut. Yeah, that's her big thing. It's because she's popular and has a boyfriend, therefore she it's has to be because she does slut. dirty things. But also, like, <sighs> it's 2006, so we also have to acknowledge that this is when calling women sluts and whores was at its, like zenith Mm -hmm. like we could not stop calling women in the media sluts and whores could Mm -hmm. not stop this is you know right before britney has her meltdown this is when paparazzi is taking pictures of women getting out of cars and you know happening to find the moment where you can see their underwear just Mm -hmm. this is an atrocious time Mm -hmm. uh that that we're discussing right now so please keep in mind that when we're talking about the language used in here none of it was ever acceptable None of it was ever excusable. But it was normal. But it was normal. And this is how people talk. This is authentic. So the fact that they are calling each other sluts nonstop, that's just how we communicated with each other. Didn't make it okay, but it is what it is. And Mm -hmm. this movie is unfortunately very accurate. And it it paints this very cringy reminder of like, 
oh god yeah we really did do that to each other didn't we yeah there's there's a lot of reasons to cringe with this movie yeah so right off the bat nell to me like rubbed me the wrong way because her big criticism that she has with woody's girlfriend is she's like yeah you're cute now but like one day you're gonna like you're gonna be that girl who peaks in high school and then you're gonna be fat and you're gonna get fat and you're gonna get ugly and then Woody's gonna be sitting at the bar bent over a beer going like oh high school was my glory days and then he's gonna cheat on you yeah it's mm. needlessly mean like it doesn't have the same like vindication feeling as like a Romy and Michelle like it's just needlessly fucking mean and also can we please stop equating being fat to like that must mean your life is over or that you've given up or Mm -hmm. that you're now no longer worthy of happiness or joy like shut the fuck up stop doing that it's tired i'm tired of it yeah but this is also just really her version of that old comeback that like dorky kids would make in school be like oh well computers are the future and one day i'm gonna be your boss yeah, it's exactly and that. like, is that right? Yeah, possibly, but also, um, you you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're both wholly unlikable people because you know. Then immediately after that, uh, Woody's retaliation for her being mean to his girlfriend is to type on her computer. They're in like some class or whatever using computers. And he makes it so that she has gay porn on her monitor. Oh, www.bigwangers.com. My favorite site. <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite site, Big Wangers. Yeah, Big and Wangers. So we'll tackle this a little bit more down the line when we get to like an extremely problematic element of this movie. But I love that Woody just knows a gay porn site. Sure. Yeah, he just knows. He's, he's probably got one in his back pocket for when he needs to prank his friends. Yeah, okay, that's true. Like, it's it's kind of like a meat spin, maybe. Yeah, okay, good point. Good call. Because I was going to say, I was like, I, I have questions or about like, this. Like a lemon party? Ooh. For anybody who doesn't know what these are, don't don't, don't look them up unless <laughs> Sa- you want to... Safe search on times 100. Yeah, don't do not do these. Don't be that person. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you know, you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Yep, yep, yep. Um. So, yeah, we've got these just shitty kids, and they go to a museum, and they get partnered up to have to, like be with each other in the museum to make sure they don't get lost or break shit i guess Mm -hmm. because of course like they hate each other the teacher wants to spite them because because she's the goody goody who will keep him in line because him and his best friend are like fondling the boobies on a statue yeah and his best friend is also um a student named horse (laughs) i think it's short for something but but he goes by horse and then he neighs a bunch yeah like the first time we meet him, he pulls up in front of it in front of his house, and he's like, "Oh, hey, what's up, horse?" And he's like, "What's up, man?" And you're just like, "Why is that a thing?" He's the jock version of a horse girl, and I don't like him. Yeah, he's also play. I I did have like this moment that kind of like broke my soul because the actor that plays him is the actor in Saw Three who accidentally killed the lead's son and is in the final like gets his test. Head twisted and he around. gets his head twisted around and I was like, oh I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we're going on with there. So they get paired up in this museum and they're fighting with each other. And then for whatever reason, this ancient Aztec statue is invested in the lives of these two shitty white kids and is like I'm going to make you switch bodies and magically emits like gross green brown smoke. And then surprise, the next day they have switched bodies. Yeah. And that's just kind of a, a problem with body swap films as, you know, 
writing shorthand where it's like, well, we need some magic to do this. And they always use some sort of like xenophobic juju magic to do it. Yeah, it's... In in, in this <sighs> case, I will say I looked it up that the uh, god who does switch their bodies for this one actually was something that exists, at least like... So they're not they're not, they're not just, just making being up like they're not vaguely... like be like this is Smitty Wormenjager Menjensen like no they actually did pick a a god which I'm not sure makes it better or worse Tex Catlapoca the ancient Aztec god of sorcery associated with the notion of destiny now Tex here has got an interesting resume he was the god of night lord of the smoke and mirror a shapeshifter. A powerful SOB. So they're at least like appropriating culture that exists. They're not just making up this like vaguely foreign religion. Yes. Something. So this is the god of like sorcery and and he's a trickster or something like that. Okay. So he's like Aztec Loki is what kind I'm of. led to believe. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what the teacher says in the movie. Yeah. Well, that's at least, you know, better. But it is a trope and it's one that I'm admittedly very tired of and I mean, we see it in Freaky Friday. We have an entire segment about, like, the weird, you know... The fortune cookie. Yeah, the fortune cookie. It's just... It's this very weird Asian stereotyping that I'm not super thrilled about. Um, we see it in The Hot Chick with, the you know... Inchi- the I Egypt- believe they're Egyptian. Egyptian earrings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, in, even in Freaky, they're, you know, mask and dagger thing. The Dola. The Dola. So... You know, we've got some sort of random foreign magic that mm-hmm. is doing this. This time the god just felt like being spiteful, and that seems very in character for a god. Well, that's also true, which is good. Yeah. So anyway, they wake up, switched. Uh... And we, of course, get immediately the trope of Woody and Nell's body. So what does he do? He first realizes tits. Ha <laughs> ha, tits. But then, oh, no, my dick is gone. My dick fell off. Like, that's what we've got. <laughs> So that's understandable. But on the flip side, what I do actually find kind of funny is that Nell wakes up in Woody's body and Woody wakes up with the Woody because it's the morning. And that's how that works. He's a teen boy, even though he's 28. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Zegers is almost 30. They, they both look like they're pushing 30 in this movie. And, but that's normal. <laughs> and the thing is, she knows how to get rid of this. She doesn't want to admit she knows how to get rid of this. But we do get a very fun visual gag of her hitting it with a spatula. Does she know how to get rid of it? Because she definitely asks, like, how do you get rid of the old boner? Mm, okay, maybe she doesn't know how to get rid of it. I, she's a virgin. She That's true. I, she clearly, I don't think she knows anything about porn. I forget that most teens were not nearly as fast and loose as I was. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, Okay. Fair, fair point. I retract my assumption that she knows how to get rid of a boner. Yes, the correct way to get rid of morning wood is to pee. Doesn't that... I've, I've always heard that that hurts. What, peeing? With a boner. Shouldn't hurt. <laughs> peeing with a boner shouldn't hurt? Peeing with a boner shouldn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, just, it might be difficult, but like, no, if you go pee, uh, I believe the way it is, like, you get a morning wood because of the way that your bladder is, like, pressing on your prostate or something like that. Oh. So if you pee, it goes down. But everyone's just like, I gotta jack off. And I'm like, but Why? How, how can you today. how can you jack off when you have to pee so badly? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they they've switched bodies. And then what I also love is that they immediately just accept it. Like there isn't 
a scene of them like googling what the fuck is wrong with me there isn't even a scene of them being like ah! like yelling like you're me ah, ah. like that doesn't happen either it's just like well i guess this is what we're doing Gotta like, go to you school and i now. need to have a talk <laughs> and this movie has like some weird pacing issues where i think certain scenes were cut out probably there has to be like there's so many times where it just magically jumps it just goes uh and gets to the next point they need to discuss like mm-hmm. they go to school and they're they're their new selves they're their transformed selves and they're like we need to have a talk but they go through the whole day and then the next scene is them waking up the next day and it's like they didn't want to reconvene after school <laughs> yeah they didn't that talk seems about this pressing yeah, there was no discussion of like, well, what are we going to do about tomorrow? It was just like, oh, I guess. I, I got guess trapped in English this. class and then I had to go home and then I couldn't talk to the girl next door. <laughs> yeah. So the following day, this movie falls into my favorite body swap movie trope. Um, or I should say a trope that is in my favorite body swap movie, which is Wish Upon a Star. And that they decide that they need to ruin each other's lives. Yes. Also, shout out to Wish Upon a Star for not being xenophobic. Like yeah, most no. Body swaps. Literally just wishing on a, on a star. They're just, it's science. <laughs> it's mythical science. I was supposed to be like, science? <laughs> it's a star. So it's astronomy. Astro- Magic yeah, astronomy. Science. <laughs> Magic science. Magic astronomy. Got it. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's because, and, and how it all starts. And this is why it drives me so bananas is because it escalates to a place where it does not need to be. It's one of those, oh, that escalated quickly. Yeah, for sure. So it starts off with Nell as Woody coming to school in a bit more of a conservative look. He's wearing khakis. Wearing oxfords and his button up and with the middle part hair that's very European. Right. And he's like, you're making me look like a dweeb. He does look like a dweeb. He does look like a dweeb. That's but those true. are apparently the clothes that he wears to funerals and weddings. <laughs> yeah. So then, of course, Woody as Nell decides, I know how to get back at you, cutting up the skirt as short as possible and doing the 2006 backcomb teased hair. And oh, that uh, sort of scene hair that's not so much tall as it is wide. Oh yeah, you want your head to look like you're wearing a helmet that comes to a point around your chin. I don't like it. That's... That's how it works. Bad choice. I know that look fondly. Yes. So anyway, Woody Asnell comes to school trying to look like a quote unquote high class hooker. Mm-hmm. And the retaliation for that is Nell as Woody then breaks up with Woody's girlfriend. And it is, again, that happens in Wish Upon a Star, but the inverse, because the night before Alexia breaks up with her boyfriend and then Haley as Alexia gets them back together. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the same trope, like down the line, like wearing outfits that humiliate the other one and hurt their reputation and then like dumping boyfriends, like the exact same thing, acting out in class because, you know, Woody is not quite as school focused as Nell. So, so there's like who's an, the greatest living American. And it's J Lo and to be fair. JLo in like 2019? I could make there's this There's a better argument. argument. JLo in 2006? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I could make this argument for, for JLo, but Woody obviously does not have uh, quite the language for that. Mm-hmm. So they're doing this dumb retaliation game all day. And here's where it takes like a hard turn. It's, like It spikes quickly. It spikes so quickly. Which I do have two thoughts on, but I will let you go mm-hmm. first. 
So, you know, throughout the day, it's it's mindless stuff like eating gross or hanging out with the wrong people or saying the wrong things or whatever. But Woody as Nell's retaliation for Nell as Woody breaking up with the girlfriend is that he's going to go with, like, the cool guy in school. And by cool guy in school, like, the guy who has the motorcycle, like, that guy. I think he's just some riffraff. Yeah. I don't know if he's Who just cool. also magically appears. Like, yeah. he's just there. Yeah. See, I, um, I th- again, this is another instance where I think there was a scene earlier that got cut that introduces the character of Nikki, but instead it's just like, I'm going to get on Nikki's motorcycle and we're going to go to his parents' trailer. Yeah. And then we're there. And uh, before leaving, Woody as Nell is like, yeah, I'm going to go have sex with him and lose, lose your virginity, which is really uncomfortable. It's like assault, kind of? Yeah, No, it is. It's, it's, viola- it's violation. It's violation in that sort of way, but it's like body swap thing. So I'm like, okay, on a legality sense, no, but like on a moralistic sense, yes. Yeah, this is a, this is a, a complete violation of her body. It is... I would consider it rape. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. fucked. And, you know, but fortunately, though, once getting to the trailer and drinking a bunch of cheap beer, Woody as Nell has the realization, oh, no, I can't do this because if I do this, that means I'm gay. Let's get cracking, baby. Because daddy's packing. <laughs> oh, God, what was I thinking? This is so gay. What are you waiting for, babe? Daddy wants to see some flesh. <gasps> He's gonna make me his bitch. I'll be Woody the bitch boy. So then, of course, you know, he runs out. And here's here's the thing that I have. And this is why I was talking about, like, the, the porn earlier. Mm-hmm. Is because up until this realization of, like, oh, no, it's too gay, I can't do this. He's into it. And he's, like preparing to do this and that's why he drinks more is he's trying to like ease himself or make it so that he's intoxicated and like this isn't gonna matter to him but like he's very willing to do this until it gets like a little bit too real like once Mm -hmm. he's naked then he's like i i can't do this i gotta go it's gay and i'm not gay and i can't do this so the fact like he's so close to doing this and then panics at the last second paired with the fact that he has like ready-made gay porn to like prank people with in my head i'm like there's something not being examined here and unfortunately this movie is not gonna fucking do it yeah that might just be you reading too much into the set pieces i I don't think that woody is coded as like internally gay no i don't think i don't think that he's coded that way at all i just think that that's what's being presented in a way that i don't think they intentionally meant it to be Oops, all homo. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, by curious. Like, yeah, so I, I have two thoughts on this whole I- interaction, which the reason that Woody will, is willing to go through with this is it's like, oh, it's just sex because he has mm-hmm. lots of sex, so it's not a big deal. Like men are encouraged to have sex. Women are encouraged to only have sex when men want sex because that's the circumstance of this. And they, they sort of touch on that, but they don't. Uh, point two is actually I have a really, really fun story, and this seems like a good a time as any to share it. So after graduating high school, I got courted by, like, every form of the U.S., like, armed forces or whatever. So, like, military, Navy, Air Force, Marines, like, they were all coming at me because, you know, of course they are. 
And I get a phone call one time, and my mom decides to hand me the phone, even though it's clearly like, who the fuck is calling me? No, nobody calls me. No, anybody who needs me messages me or texts me. Like, even in, like, 2009, that was the case. Mm-hmm. So she hands this phone, and I end up talking to, like, this fucking Marine recruiter for, like, 10 minutes. And he's basically just running through a checklist of reasons that I am a perfect candidate for the Marines. I, I don't have flat feet. One of them is. <laughs> I, I have great vision. I've never broken a bone. I don't have any of these problems that would prevent me from being a, a marvelous soldier. And he goes, well, have you ever had any, any operations? Oh, okay. And I say, um, well, no. I, I, I plan on it, but I haven't gotten there yet. And he goes, oh, like... Like what? Like like rhinoplasty or something? I know a lot of a lot of the boys. They they don't like their dad's nose or something, so they get that work done. And don't get me wrong, I do have my dad's nose, but <laughs> no, I go no no no, um, not that. And he's poking and prodding, and eventually I go. Well, I mean, I want to get a surgery sort of in the crotchular region. <laughs> I hope you said crotchular. I did indeed say crotchular. Yes. And there's a silence for a bit. And this man comes back by going, Oh, if I was a chick, I would have sex with so many dudes. <laughs> what? And he just says, like, oh, yeah, no, I'd be a total slut. It seems so much fun, right? Like, who cares? And then he was just like, oh, well, good luck with that, and hangs up. And then none of the military or anything like that ever contacted me again. I, I guess they're in works with each other. But <laughs> They put like a flag on your be account. Like, nope, do, do not contact. <laughs> I'm on the no-fly list. So I, this is just apparently a thing that a lot of guys, I think, sort of entertain the idea of. It's like, oh, yeah, you can just have dudes fuck you, and it feels great all the time and whatever. And I think if you got down to like the nitty-gritty, they would still sit there and go, yeah, just because I'm a chick now, for whatever magical reason, like this marine recruiter would have became a woman. She's just like, just because I'm a chick now doesn't mean I'm into dudes. So here's my theory on this, which I, I, I agree with you, but here's where we differ. Mm-hmm. So it is not a mystery by any stretch of the imagination that there are far more people who identify as women or who were socialized as women mm-hmm. that identify as some form of queer, bisexual, pansexual sure. than those who were socialized as men. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, obviously, like, there are, I know plenty of, like, bi-pan queer men out there, for sure. But by and large, like, the, the disparity is through the roof. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we offer, like, a little bit more of an understanding and there's a lot more space for, for fluidity in sexuality when it comes to, you know, people who are socialized as women versus men where it is, like, so staunch and oh, so yeah. hard strict. No. Hard no, yeah. So I was listening to the Coming Out podcast, mm-hmm. which I really love coming out with uh, Lauren and Nicole. For anybody who is, you know, queer identifying in one other queer podcast, they're great. And they were interviewing the queer mother of a trans kid. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about having this conversation with somebody from her church who was like, hey, I'm queer. And his response was you know, something about like God and how you have to like give yourself to God and you have to make that choice. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I make that choice. And she asked him if you didn't have god and like church telling you not to be with men could you be with men 
And he was like, well, yeah, I'm sure that I could. And her response was, straight men don't think that way. Mm-hmm. That does not cross their mind. It's not a possibility for them. Mm-hmm. And this guy, I guess it like just like blew his mind. And it was like, oh, because we're starting to have that discourse and that conversation, I think, a little bit more where it's, you know, especially with like trans identity. I see so many TikToks that are like, you know, cisgender people don't usually go, hmm, I wonder, is this right? They just know. Mm-hmm. And we're having that conversation with sexuality as well. Like straight people tend to not question it. Like queer people question, straight mm-hmm. people don't. Because everything in our culture and our society is telling us that this is the way that it's supposed to be. So they don't question it. Mm-hmm. So I genuinely think that like this recruiter that you're talking to, like there's probably some like latent queerness in there that's just not being addressed because society is, you know, telling him, nope, you can't, you can't. I, I mean, so, if you want to use like archaic methodology, he could just be like a Kinsey too. Yeah. Because by most of that logic, like no one's like inherently like a zero like right. that's not usually how that works. Right. It's all, it's all, everyone falls in the middle basically. And like, that's possible. Sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've, I've played know. a lot of like, would you rathers with people? And every single guy tr- kind of treats it like how they treat themselves as like a dude where it's like, okay, well, if I'm horny all the time as a guy, I could be horny all the time as a chick. And what would happen is that, uh, I could have sex whenever I want because it's easier for women to have sex, but they don't want to. I've had a lot of those conversations in my teenage years. Which, so I mean, obviously. It could go either way. Yeah, which obviously, like, we're speaking in broad generalities. Oh, of, yeah, like, absolutely. The, the ways broadest that, brush. Yeah, that teenagers talk and analyze things. But that's kind of how I feel about Woody. I would say, like, Woody is probably, like, a Kinsey, too, that's never going to fucking dive into that or address it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, like, these little things that pop in in the story that I don't think the filmmakers intended for at all. Because this movie is, like painfully hetero despite the fact that there is excruciatingly there is so much opportunity here to play with you know what we say about gender roles and gender expectations and it is just not going there it's also weirdly homophobic and a lot of gay panic in spite of the fact that fucking elton john produced this movie So I don't know how many there are, but I certainly can't think of any other body swap films that are also a romance movie between the two swappies. Hmm. No, that's not as common. That's and really, it's usually like a friends or parents, family. family. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe that's one reason that this is so aggressively hetero. Yeah. So intensely cis. And... Because they are swapping, there's obviously this sort of trans narrative that lurks beneath the surface no matter what. Because now it's like, oh, it's a guy and a girl body and vice versa. That means right, there because is... Because everybody thinks that fucking trans people are costumes or faking or deceiving or what the fuck ever. Yeah. But the frustration I have with that, I guess, is that... If you insist that like a body swap film is a trans film or that a body swap film is inherently transphobic or what have you, what you're saying is that just because this cis person who was born comfortably in their body now is in a different body, they are, they are essentially 
they're 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 dressed up as someone else. Mm-hmm. They're not actually trans. They're just in an unfortunate circumstance at the moment, which can have trans reads, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the very simplistic read of body swap films that involve like gender related stuff mm-hmm. are a trans story inherently. I think it's also really dangerous to do that because it's pushing a narrative that is currently being weaponized by so many people. This idea of it's deception or that it's a costume or like Mm -hmm. the amount of times that people will say comments like, you know, you can add whatever you want, chop off whatever you want. You're not going to be this like that kind of bullshit. That Mm -hmm. rhetoric comes from this sort of read of a film like this. Like they, Mm -hmm. they swim in that same pool. Yeah. Which I, I I do not like. I agree. And quite honestly, there are other films that do this better. Just all of them. I think every single body swap film I've ever seen does a better job than this one. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I can honestly not think of a worse example. And the two that I come to mind as like, like the closest similarity to this are going to be something like The Hot Chick and Freaky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one's much better than the other. <laughs> Both those films are handling queerness so much more directly than this film does. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, obviously it's, it's addressed in Freaky. Especially yeah. in like that backseat of the car scene, which I love. It's it's addressed in both the backseat of the car scene, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. but also they have a conversation about pronouns of who to like what to use for yeah. each person. It's you know very it's it's very upfront about its queerness. Yeah, the hot chick does it in a more of this era sort of way, mm-hmm. where cool Rob Schneider is not necessarily playing a good teen girl character. Rob Schneider is playing like a gay stereotype. Yeah. Because he doesn't have that subtlety. It's not written in the script. It's not how his character does. That's just the circumstance. Yeah, the subtlety in this is cut with like safety scissors. Mm-hmm. Like it is clunky as hell. Yeah. So whilst the hot chick is doing a like gay stereotype. It's still addressing the queerness of its story. Yes. As opposed to this movie where it is never addressed in the slightest. No. There is never a point where they are miscommunicating. There's never a point where they, they, they break their own facade and it makes it like kind of gay because that's how it is. The, the closest thing that they have in this is the first day of the swap. Woody's girlfriend comes up to him and tries to like kiss him and the reaction is very much like ah like kind of a thing but you could also make a read that you know she startled him mm-hmm. and then she whispers in what she perceives to be Woody's ear of like what she wants to do again this is where I'm also saying he's a Kinsey too because we don't hear what the whisper is but it it very much is implied that it's something to do with like probably a rim job or like a finger in the ass mm-hmm. because she like Woody or knelt. he fucks her in the butt Maybe. Who knows? Either way. I don't know. We, like, we don't maybe, know what's going on. Maybe but... it's pee. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's that maybe, pee boner. <laughs> maybe 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 Woody's just like, oh, God, pee on me. <laughs> like, it we could be know. anything. You don't know yeah, that's inherently butt stuff. But we don't know. But because I'm looking at, like, it's 2006, and this is, like, a peak time where movies are just littered with gay panic, and Nella's Woody's reaction is like, ugh, I can't believe you would do that. You're a slut. And then, like, the whole school's, like, looking at her, and she's like, he asked me to do it, mm-hmm. which implies that it's something that's probably like it's gross for her to perform and it's gross for him to ask. That's why she's immediately throwing him under the bus. 
that's the closest that we get to any moment in this movie being like accidentally queer. And then there's one moment that is so fucking problematic because of the swap that I want to scream. And it's when Woody is in Nell's body and she's in the shower Mm -hmm. after gym class. And her first instinct is like, oh, wow. Hey, yeah. And then immediately. It's like Scooby-Doo where it's like, I can look at myself naked. It's absolutely that energy. Uh But it is putting what ignorant assholes would see as this is their worst nightmare. This is what they think is going to happen if trans people are allowed to use the appropriate bathrooms. Kind of coming in there and leer? Yes. That's what's happening. So that scene, I look at it and I'm like, no, you're giving them ammo. God damn it. And what's so funny about that is I've been around like 140 naked women outdoors at once. I was a part of a, uh, like a, a nude protest photograph thing with this photographer it was to combat the fact that RNC was in Cleveland. Correct. Yeah. And I was the only trans person there. I I might have been the only one out of thousands of people to apply. Mm-hmm. And I believe I said something like, I want to be a part of this because we're told that trans people are supposed to hate their bodies and not be naked around people because it's disgusting. And they selected me. So I showed up. I was fine. And I was around so many naked women, all sorts of ages, races, body types, just every kind you could ever imagine was all there. And I didn't get a boner. Nope. You know why I didn't get a boner? Because it wasn't a sexual situation. Nope. And that's kind of how it works. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, ah, nudity, that's clearly sex. It's like, no, that's not how, (laughs) nudity does not equate sex. Nudity equals I'm not wearing clothes. Yep. And... That is an issue that you have, particularly with male writing. And that's really frustrating because I feel like Woody's writing is so much better than Nell's in this movie, for the most part. I agree completely. And something else that we noticed is that Samar Armstrong, as Woody, doesn't have as much to do. There's not a lot of emotional range that's going on here. It's very much, oh, sit here and man spread or, you know, act really confident and like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, like a James Marston style himbo. He's very easy. But he's nowhere near as endear. Like it's, Oh, I know, because he's not as plucky and adorable. Yeah. And then we have Kevin Zegers as Nell, and we have this male actor giving a lot of range, and there's a lot of emotional changes there's a lot of different experiences there's a lot of different body acting that's happening mm-hmm. <laughs> Woody are you, are you crying <laughs> what's what's wrong <laughs> I'm sorry I just found out I lost my virginity in a trailer park <laughs> to me that tells me, yeah, this is just how we socialize, you know, boys and girls differently in terms of what their emotion, what is an acceptable emotional output? Mm-hmm. Because we have this male actor playing a female role with a ton to work with. And then we have, you know, the, the female actor playing the male role with not a lot to do. So she looks really hollow in comparison. And it's not her fault there's just not as much to play with there. True. I also think that that's a symptom of the Nell character being a lot more high strung and prone to be dramatic than Woody. Yeah, also true. I agree with that. But at the same time, though, we see 
Woody, you know, dancing in his room. We see him like hooting and hollering and being a, you know, fun time with horse. He has the range and the capacity for that personality. It's just not what we're given. Well, there's no reason for him to bring the party. I mean, yeah, okay. That's a, that's a good point. I agree with you on that. But either way, those are just side points to like the greater topic as a whole. I think the way boys and girls in this boy girl thing are conditioned, <laughs> it's uh it really just proves how how much men are not supposed to emote. Yeah. Yeah, I agree because Samir's really trying to deliver something and make this a, a three-dimensional character, but there just isn't a lot to play with. There mm-hmm. just isn't. Um, I mean, I'm going to like fast forward through the rest of it because it, it, it ends exactly the way that you think it is. They fall in love because they understand each other now. Blah, blah, blah. They fall like, in love at homecoming. and Yeah, they cool. get it. Great, cool. Love Ozzy it. Osbourne gets a song on the soundtrack because Sharon's, Sharon's there. It. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking whack. I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and sp- turn down some Randy Rhodes era Ozzy Osbourne, but I'm just saying <laughs> I know why it's there. Right. It just feels a little forced. It just feels a little out of place in this 2006 movie for this 1980 song that wasn't even a hit. So that's that's pretty much what we're working with here. That's, that's the movie. And I've got some things that I, I brought to the table because we've been asked before why we cover movies that I know going into it are not good. They can't all be winners. Be- they can't all be winners <laughs> because they're like, well, I thought you were apologists and you love all these movies. Like, why would you bring something that's intentionally bad, like knowingly bad? And I think it's because we can't just look at the things that are positive. We have to acknowledge the things that are problems and that are issues within this genre in order to appreciate the ones that are good. Can't appreciate those sunny days without some cloudy ones. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Just look how bad it could have been. So I- I've pulled up for you uh, three reviews of this movie from mm-hmm. audience reviews. Okay. Because I was very shocked to find out that across the board on different websites, the audience score on this is way higher than I thought it would be. Really? How high? They're in like the 70 to 80 percentile. Ew, why? Yeah. So this first one, this is from a year ago. It's so degrading to genders, and it was very stereotypical. Okay. Now we're jumping into, I, I have two more. Both of these were done within the last three months. These are people People who, are really bored in quarantine, People huh? are real bored in quarantine. Great script, great acting, and finally, not a bunch of porn that Hollywood thinks everyone wants. We don't. Clearly, they weren't visiting bigwangers.com. And four weeks ago, I liked it. Story ends up to love, but no porn. That's what we want from entertainment industry. Good acting of Samara Armstrong. I like the way she was walking like boys, smiley face, and Kevin Zeger's girlish moves. It is 2021, and I am watching it in COVID-19 quarantine. Okay. Why? Well... Why, why, are does everyone, t- why does everyone think it's porn? Why are there two separate reviews that have to do with uh, porn? Um, well, the reason being is because apparently in other countries where English is not the first language, this movie is one of the most <laughs> highly recommended searches when people look up boy-girl thing, as in like they're looking for porn, oh. this movie shows up. Okay. So... 
there's a lot of people who are looking for boy girl porn uh-huh. and they're finding this movie. Hence the reviews. So we have one person who was very excited that they searched this and did not get porn, and one person who was disappointed that it wasn't porn, but ultimately had a good time with this movie. That's good for them, I guess. <laughs> but the more the more important thing that I wanted to bring up is that, uh, did you know that this movie is at the center of a conspiracy theory? No. no. Mm-hmm. So after hearing from you that the reason you watched this movie was not because I had reminded you we were doing it for the podcast, but instead because homework. <laughs> it got put on your list for, for a trans project you're working on, I decided to look up, it's a boy-girl thing, trans, to see what I find. I was hoping that there would be, you know, maybe some essay by a trans writer or a trans critic talking about kind of the gender roles and the body swap aspects, literally anything. Mm-hmm. Instead, what I found is a conspiracy theory that has existed now for four years. And so we are taking a trip to the conspiracy corner. <laughs> Trademark, why did we ever meet podcast? Conspiracy corner time. So <clears throat> I'm just going to read you this uh, opening paragraph and then explain to you the conspiracy. Um, I will not be linking to this in the show notes because this person doesn't need any more traffic. And this is bananas. If you really, really want to find it. I already gave you the Google search that I found it with. It is a trip. A few days ago, after finishing a grueling day, I decided to watch a mindless movie called It's a Boy-Girl Thing. Though I had already picked up on the connotation from the title, I tried to let it go and not be so critical. However, by the time the movie was winding down, I realized that there was no way I couldn't not see what the movie industry is feeding our children. What is terribly upsetting to me is that the movie industry is purposely destroying the feminine egos of young girls and older teens by portraying transgendered females with bodies that simply do not exist on real women. Real females have hips for childbearing. Real females are not heavily muscled. Real girls and women have smaller and softer facial attributes than males who often have more angular and heavier features. Let's begin with the title. It's a boy-girl thing. While this is just another movie about switching roles, gender-bending, and the main theme this time, it is doubtful that the young audience has a clue or enough experience to realize that they are actually being indoctrinated into accepting this perverse trend that is unfortunately taking hold. What really caught my attention was when the actress Samir Armstrong showed up toward the end of the movie wearing a dress that immediately told me that this is obviously a transgendered person. The rest of this article goes in great, excruciating detail, hyper-analyzing the body of Samir Armstrong and other women throughout this movie that Samir Armstrong is actually transgender and that it's a boy-girl thing is trying to indoctrinate the youth of the world with the trans agenda. How do you want me to respond to this? Because that's really fucking stupid. This middle of the road, who gives a shit 
teen movie from 2006. People who are looking for porn give a shit. Thank you. <laughs> from 2006 that is frequently confused for porn in other countries that was not released in America other than just random, you know, direct-to-DVD and streaming is the center of a conspiracy that American fucking wingnuts believe that this movie is indoctrinating and, st- and this is one of the kickstarts of the trans agenda in America. This fucking movie. And is- they also believe that Samara Armstrong is trans and she's not. If she was, cool, that adds another layer to this movie, but she's not. She's a cis woman. So it's a person hyperanalyzing the body of a cis woman and convincing themselves that she is trans because she's super muscular, which she is. There's a scene where she's got a very muscular. She's back. trying to put a bra on, and like we just sat there and we're like, God, she's fucking ripped. Like her back is so muscular. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's this person who saw this movie, saw the gender play happening, and got it in their head that this is like a trans woman invading the world and sending a message or God knows whatever bullshit. And I can't understand why it's this movie of all of the body swap movies that exist, of all of the other stories that you could pin a quote unquote trans agenda to. It's a boy girl thing. Why are you giving this movie so much power? I don't know why a conspiracy about this movie and the lead actress being trans would work. Because that would mean that you would have that actress now swapping genders and being the male body person in the film. Mm-hmm. And that's it, the one who's not invading women's spaces because they're now in Woody's body. Uh-huh. Yep. So it's not even a good conspiracy. <laughs> yep. And yet, here we are! I'm not, I shouldn't be hyper-analyzing conspiracy <laughs> theories because I know they're stupid and people like people like to go ahead and confuse conspiracy theories for critical thought and that's the whole mess that we're in right now. But like, right. it's really dumb. It's the stupidest conspiracy theory. It's so fucking stupid. They're like, she doesn't have very wide hips. Neither do ballerinas. Like, that's true. I don't know what to tell you. It's just... I just needed to bring that point up because, again, we're talking about a genre of movies that is frequently dismissed and thrown aside and critics love to pretend like that they don't matter and that teen girl movies don't mean anything. And yet this shitty body swap movie from 2006 is like trying to be weaponized as trans propaganda. And that is banana cakes to me and I, I i'm never gonna wrap my head around it like it's never gonna happen as long as they leave my sorority boys alone <laughs> <laughs> so uh, n- now we are leaving the conspiracy corner i guess where uh oh, any, any other thoughts you have on this movie we would like to to explore on or or what Okay, I do have one good thing to say about this movie. Oh, one whole thing. <laughs> one whole good thing. Okay. So we really didn't talk about any of the secondary characters because in all honesty, they kind of don't matter. No. But Horace's girlfriend, Chanel, is played by Emily Hampshire, who most people know as Stevie from Schitt's Creek. Stevie has the energy of me during that entire conspiracy. <laughs> Just, wow. Just, oh. oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, so Chanel is dating Horse, and we find out that Horse is, like, a really shitty boyfriend to her and is cheating on her constantly. She, like, finds underwear in his car. Mm-hmm. It's this whole thing. And there's a moment where Woody as Nell, so obviously, like, this dude's best friend, mm-hmm. um, finds Chanel crying and is talking to her about it. And you can tell, like, there's actual empathy here. Like, mm-hmm. Woody feels bad that this girl is crying and it's his best friend's fault because he's being a shithead. But in this conversation, Woody has now asks, well, like, if you're so unhappy, then why are you with him? And her answer is that she, you know, she transferred schools and being with him makes her not invisible. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I find that to be a positive is because this is one of the few times that a teen movie is willing to say that quiet part out loud. When I started at Westdale, I felt invisible. And then uh, I started going out with a horse and I became friends with Brianna, Tiffany, Woody, and everyone. And then people started to notice me. And I liked that. So, I guess I'm just afraid of feeling invisible again. You know, I think that a lot more people feel that way than you realize. Yeah, usually someone just says that about them. Mm-hmm. They, they talk shit. Yep, somebody uses that as an insult or somebody, you know, brings up, you don't even like them or blah, 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 or whatever. No one ever owns that and says, like, yeah, no, I want to be popular. Like, it's very much the line in Mean Girls where Katie is narrating Gretchen Wieners knows that it's better to be in the plastics and hating life than to not be in the plastics at all. Mm -hmm. It's used as this moral lesson and it's something that's acknowledged, but it's never done by Gretchen. It's only done by Katie. Uh And in this movie, Chanel is like, yeah, no, I'm with this guy because he's popular and that makes me popular by association and I don't want to be invisible because that sucks. Like that's a really shitty feeling. And I love that this movie is willing to admit that because there were definitely things that I did in high school that I probably was not super on board with, but I knew that it was good for my status. And I think people do that even into adulthood. Oh, absolutely. And I think when I was in high school, there was definitely this air of like elevated social standing if you were in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so some people would date just to date because then you're not like some loser who's alone or whatever. Yeah. And in high school especially, I mean, this movie ends at – you know, the homecoming game, homecoming dance sort of thing. And there's so much pressure put on young people to like be in a relationship because you don't want to be that person that shows up to the dance without a date sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And I like that this movie owns it. Like, so if there's one takeaway other than that, it's the center of a fucking conspiracy. Take away the fact that like, yeah, we all do things sometimes that are not great for us. And there's reasons behind it that are deeply personal. And it's okay. Like, it, make that, it's okay to make that mistake. It's okay to look back on those things and, and, you know, maybe have those second thoughts about it. But own it, you know? Mm-hmm. Own what? As long as you know why you're getting into the situation you're into. Be realistic. Yeah, just yeah. Be, be realistic. It'll it'll help your your mental state because 
a, you know, a big reason why she is so upset about this is she's upset not that, you know, her boyfriend is cheating in the sense that like, oh, I love him so much and he doesn't love me back. It's no, this is just telling me that he doesn't want me either. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. And that's a not a good feeling. And I like that. I like that she's very in control of uh, how she's feeling and why she's feeling it. There's a lot of a lot of good inventory happening there. Yeah. But anyway, I think that uh takes us out on it's a boy girl thing. I feel like I already know the answer to this, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Hey Harmony, uh. it's a boy girl thing is uh, asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, or a maybe? And are you writing anything on the card back? I would not like to go to the prom. Or homecoming, or winter formal, or any sort of event, dance or otherwise, with this movie. I'm not even really upset with the film, because it's not like it's, like, horrible. Not horrible, it's just really mediocre. (laughs) And everything that it does has been done better elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, this movie is more of a why. Mm -hmm. Why would you watch this? What, What is here for you? All right, well, let's close this. Never watch it again. Let's never speak of it. Let's put that in the Disney vaults. It's not a Disney movie, but that's the only vault that I know exists and still put movies in it. So we're going to put that there. Alrighty, friends. Thanks so much for sticking with us through this hot mess of an episode. If you didn't know, we are on our way to doing a giveaway. We've already reached our goal of 1,000 Twitter followers, so now we're just looking to reach 100 reviews on iTunes. So help us out. Go to iTunes. Give us that five-star review, and we'll be doing a giveaway. We've got some cool Clueless art. We've got a shirt from Super Yaki and some other fun stuff. It all could be yours once we reach that goal. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at this ends at prom. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BJ Colangelo. Harmony, where are you at? I'm also on the Twitter and the Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And massive thank you to the Sonderbombs for letting us use their song title for our theme song. Follow them wherever it is you get your music, support them in any way that you can. And because so many people reach out and tell us how happy they are that we introduce them to the Sonderbombs, I, I want to do something fun at the end of every episode where I want to plug like another independent group to kind of spread the love about that maybe you should be listening to or following, especially because the indie scene is a... Uh, you know, been on pause for the last year as far as like touring and supporting them, but they've been keeping busy and there's been some really killer music coming out in the meantime. So uh, this week, we're going to go ahead and plug the band Pink Shift. They just released an EP called Saccharin and it is so killer. It's got like some really awesome Paramore style pop punk that's like really hard hitting. Mm-hmm. I fully recommend it. Yeah, it's it's some great stuff. And on that note, friends, we will see you next week. And as always, Save that last dance for us. Bye. Bye.
called boner. No, that's not exactly the word I would have used. Boy, do I miss that guy. I'm sure you do. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.